0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast, diving deep into the Blue Bombers versus Tiger Cats. As we preview the action coming up with Derek Taylor and Rick Zamperin from Hamilton on the podcast. We welcome in Derek Taylor for, I guess it's becoming a regular thing, having him on Wednesdays on, and during game weeks. Derek, I, we can make this a regular thing, right?
1: I'm good with that. As long as we're talking football, if we start talking about uh, other stuff, uh, it's going to be hit or miss for me.
0: No football. Yeah, we're talking football. It's your that's your area of expertise. You've been following it a long time, and so we'll <laughs> we'll chat CFL and we'll talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going into this game against the Ty Cats on Friday. I know you're trying to get the rivalry thing going today, talking to players, but they really weren't biting, were they?
1: No, they were they were having, and you kind of expected that they that they don't. But I just think this is a, this is a cool idea, right? Like it it was literally one. Uh, whether it planned or offhand comment that Troy Westwood let go years ago, and we have the banjo bowl and tell me the banjo bowl isn't the most fun regular season game of the season. And it's just heightened by, you know, because there's banjos and there's a trophy and it's, you know, which, which, which people are more hillbilly. Well, it's you guys. Like it, it's, it's great. And, and that's something you can do outside of the players. So for the Bombers organization to go, you know what we should do? We wore whites for consecutive Grey Cup wins over this team. When they come to our house, we don't normally wear whites, but we're going to do that. We're going to have everybody else wear white, and we're going to remind you of the Grey Cup. It takes nothing from the players. Coach O'Shea doesn't have to do a thing, but the club, without you know putting the players in an awkward spot, gets to stir it up. I love it. I love it.
0: It's also a marketing opportunity because you can sell more white stuff.
1: <laughs> 100%, right? I, I okay. would imagine... I think just from looking around the stadium,
0: you you're down there
1: every game, right? You
0: yeah. You see, i, I like I don't know,
1: forty to one blue jerseys over white jerseys. For sure.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's almost all blue jersey. And if you're a sports fan and you have the option to buy, and this goes for any sport. If you have a chance to buy a, a white jersey or the colored jersey, you almost always go for the colored jersey because it's usually more fun. And you know, we're we're almost twenty years since the NHL started wearing, uh, stopped wearing the white jerseys at home. Uh, but this market obviously has a history of, of the whiteout right in, in the yeah. Winnipeg jets history. So we might, you know, they don't want to see jets jerseys at the game on Friday. We might see a few. Cause a lot of people have the white ones. Cause we've had the whiteouts, but uh, they're, they're selling t-shirts. And if you buy a white jersey, you get a t-shirt too down at the bomber store the next few days. So I, I'm hoping to see a decent amount of white jerseys. Are you going to wear a white shirt in the booth?
1: I'm, I don't have a ton of my stuff here. Cause we're still in the process. of. And- of moving, so I'm going to find the the whitest things I have. I, I asked Doug to to lend me some white pants, but he's got I think like a 38 or a 40 or a 55 inch inseam. Like he Doug's tall. Doug's tall as yeah. could be. So I don't know what to, uh, what of his might fit me, but uh, I'm I'm going to be a, as much white clothing as I can because I think this is this is great. Like the, anybody who's got white jeans from the 80s in the back of their closet, and uh, like like uh, Jim told us earlier, like a cl- white called Monaco sweatshirt. You dig that out? Maybe this becomes a de facto '80s night. Who knows what could happen from here once the fans get a hold of it? It could be, it could be amazing.
0: As far as the action on the field is concerned, Derek, we've heard from defenders on the Blue Bombers, uh, and also people on the offense that you know they they feel like they need to play a lot better. They're two and zero. They have not cracked twenty offensively. Defensively, they've given up the fewest points per game in the league so far, but they've given up more yards per game than any other team so far so are they just scratching out these victories should be people be worried at all about the bombers well uh,
1: scratching out is probably is honestly probably pretty close like like there's been a two-point win and a seven-point win and by their nature one score wins in the game of football there's a deal there's a, a, a real portion of it you have to attribute it to luck because one bounce equals one score and you lose the game right the the home opener uh what Ottawa left 10 points on the on the board that day which which could have been zero and one start for the Bombers right so there's a certain degree of luck so I think I think you have to Uh, but if if you need a quarterback to to you know have your luck turn against it may might be Dane Evans so far four interceptions through two games he's fumbled the ball four times through two games they've lost three of those fumbles like Dane Evans is just Maybe one of those fumbles was questionable because of a a weird ruling, but seven turnovers from one guy in two games with a, with a defense like this one that you know has a it's fair to say really particularly good track record against Dane Evans. This this could be the game where you know that part of it really kicks in as well.
0: Well, in the Grey Cup game, they were able to use the escape hatch and bring in Mazzoli. They don't have that now. It's all Evans. He's he's all they got. And so they have put their eggs in the basket. And so far through two games, it maybe hasn't been special. But again, the reality is he had them in position to win. There were 24 points against the Stampeders in week number two. Uh, Their defense has been really bad in the fourth quarter through two games so far this season. So if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and you've been a fourth quarter team traditionally over the last couple of years, and that, that has continued this year so far. That could yeah. be, we could be looking at like a, a 10 9 game going to the fourth on Friday night.
1: Yeah. And, and in the, I was just finishing up the, uh, the Hamilton Saskatchewan game from week one last night. And what, like, at the one point where an offensive turnover lets Saskatchewan start at the, at the Hamilton one yard line, you go, well, okay, the offense really did us in. This is going to go against the defense, but the offense did us in. That defense should, I mean, it should be good. It shouldn't be blue bomber good, but it was the second best defense in the league last year. They've, they have some guys on the six game list that they'd rather not be there. They added to their defensive front all the while losing to Garrett Davis. They add Micah Johnson, who's a real stud. Those linebackers are still who they are. One of them, Alden Darby, uh, former bomber and uh, bomber gray cap champion. Like Hamilton shouldn't, shouldn't be a team that you, that we think of as Owen two, uh, but they're, I mean, they're probably going to be Owen three after Friday, just based on, on how things have gone. So this, this, I just wonder, what's what's your feel on your perception of Ottawa versus
0: Hamilton? Like,
1: who is better? Are they equal? Is one stand out over the other? Or what kind of test it'll be for Winnipeg?
0: Well, I just think for Ottawa, right, It we just didn't have a read on them. We had no idea what they were going to be because we hadn't seen anything from them. They're a new team, basically, with how they were constructed. And Jeremiah Mazzoli basically was told, hey, go just chuck it. Go throw it deep a bunch. And they did. And then they wouldn't be able to do anything else after that. They'd hit one play and then stall out and kick field goals. That's kind of what they did for two games, really, if they hit the deep play and if they, they didn't really have big sustained drives, whereas, you know, Hamilton in, in the game against Calgary, at least they were able to really move the ball in the first half on the Stampeders. And then it kind of got shut down in the second half. So I yeah. think, you know, Ottawa's probably going to be more of a big play team. They might, you know, figure things out as they go along. Hamilton's full of, familiar faces including Dane Evans but I don't think either team and I, maybe this is just a CFL thing not many teams run the ball a lot in the CFL and the Bombers have certainly struggled with that too so do you see Friday night again it's going to be a, a big time passing night for both teams or are the running backs actually going to do something
1: oh I, I think I think Hamilton just does not really particularly care about running the football when it's not Don Jackson in the lineup, I think the two games they've had five running back carries in each game, which is a kooky number. <laughs> That's it, it's this kooky. Like I get, I get love of the pass, and I love teams that love the pass, but there's there's minimal threat. Jackson had five carries for one yard in the season opener against Saskatchewan. That's just you'd love some sort of threat from another offensive position because in that game, hey, Braylon Addison's got it going on, and and Tim White's a, a different kind of weapon, but. They're, apart from one play, there wasn't a lot of Steven Dunbar to go. Uh Dunbar's a you know wide receiver who could who broke, I think it was a seventy-one yarder in that game. They they could just use more weapons. And because when they get them, they're like Winnipeg's offense in that they use them in multiple ways. Like Braylon Addison and Nick Dembski both run, I mean run from the slot back position more than any other players in the entire CFL. They have these all these weapons, but for me it I mean, this is Dane Evans. And if Dane Evans, the 2019 Grey Cup for me was, when will Dane throw his first interception? Oh, it was the first pass of the game. The 2021 Grey Cup was, that was going to be, I don't know, a 17-point bomber win if Evans stays in the whole game. The way he was uh, just looking against this Winnipeg defense, I I don't know that I've seen anything from him that makes me think that a regular season game on Friday is going to be any different for him against this deep.
0: Quarterbacks are everything in the CFL, and he's had 51 pass attempts in the game against the Stampeders on Friday uh, or on Friday, Saturday of last week. So in terms of what the, the difference makers could be uh, in the bomber defense, Winston Rose has been uh, picked on a little bit so far this year. He has not been healthy, which does not help his cause. Uh, mm. He was in a walking boot in training camp, and he's been on the injury report basically every day since listed as questionable for Friday's game but uh, you talked to Dietrich Nichols. We played the audio earlier in the show. He's been great so far this season. Uh, who are you looking for as as big difference makers if we're, they're trying to shore up the fact that they've given up more yards than everybody else so far?
1: Well, if I was, um, let's see, if I was Hamilton, I'd probably, I probably, I I would try to attack Winston Rose based on what we've seen so far, right? Jalen Acklin and Marco Dubois got him in game number one, and it's, it's clear, right, you mentioned he's limited to practice and questionable for the game. It, it's clear that, that it's not the Winston Rose, you know, 100% healthy. I'd probably see what Donald Rutledge is made of because uh, Braylon Addison is a guy who works to that wide side of the field generally. I'd probably see what Braylon Addison has at that, or pardon me, what uh, Donald Rutledge has at that linebacker spot. Maybe it works up into Malcolm Thompson's uh, zone as safety and just, just see what's, what's happening out there. Um, so yeah, there's Hamilton has the weapons to be way better than, than 2-0, and but, um, yeah, are they going to be able to to get to them is uh, will be interesting because, that, I mean, that Winnipeg defense, as much as, you know, Darwin goes for 48, they then follow it up with a 14-yard sack and go, oh, okay, this, again, we need a better term than bend, but don't break, we were jo- we were joking on the broadcast because we, we keep hearing that in football. But we need something for a team that allows 700 yards passing to Jeremiah Masoli but only allows him a bunch of field goals.
0: So what else are you looking for in the CFL this week? Saskatchewan at Montreal tomorrow night, Edmonton in Calgary Saturday, and the Lions hosting the Argos. I think that's where I'm paying attention to most, Derek, is we haven't seen BC since that week week one game against Edmonton. They were off last week. Can they follow that giant effort up in the second game?
1: Well, I'm with you on that one 100%. Nathan Rourke, his numbers in that game were phenomenal. James Butler, the running back. Four touchdowns in in that game, two rushing, two receiving, phenomenal. Uh, but Toronto is not Edmonton. Week one, Edmonton shipping 42 points in the first half. Well, awful. Toronto has a real defense. Toronto can can really get after it. They didn't look by any stretch perfect against uh Montreal last week. But Toronto, like what's Nathan Rourke gonna do if Sean Oakman gets unleashed on him or Shane Ray or or that, that defensive front? I'll be very curious to see. Um, Marshall Ferguson had written a piece on CFL.ca that I think uh, Rourke had one pass go over 12 yards downfield in the air. Everything else was short. Well, OK, Hamilton, pardon me, Toronto's seen that. So if they take that away, can Rourke, you know, accommodate for that and and beat a team despite that? Uh, I also, I mean, Calgary-Edmonton, Edmonton looked, I guess, a little better this past week. But, uh, so will they look better again against Calgary? and? Calgary's just worth watching because Bo was was hurt in week number one, and I mean a lot of what's going to happen in the West it kind of pivots on uh, is is Bo healthy and how bad was that leg injury? He seemed just fine in the comeback last week, right against Hamilton. Uh, but what's what's to be made a, of that? Curious to see where the two and O's go this week as well.
0: Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for hopping on, and we'll uh, see you in the booth on Friday. Thanks, brother. Continue now for our preview of Friday's Grey Cup rematch as we take a look at things from the Hamilton side of the ball with Rick Zamperin of 900 CHML in the Hammer. Rick, how would you describe the first two games of the Hamilton Tiger Cat season?
1: Um,
2: how much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, up and down. Certainly, there have been some positives. There have certainly been some negatives. You know, anytime you start a season 0-2, there's certainly going to be some things that you look mm-hmm. back on and think, well, they should have done a little bit better in this phase. Well, I'll start with the positives. Um, you know, this is I, I, I still think a very talented team, uh, a team that plays hard and is still playing for its coach, which is great to see, especially after back-to-back. Great cup disappointments. They still believe they have a great core that can get it done. My biggest takeaways are this number one, you know, they can put some points up on the board. They did so against Calgary, you know, leading 24 to nothing at one point, 24 to three at halftime. And whether they thought they had it in the bag or didn't put the pedal to the metal or, you know, insert your own cliche, I'm not sure what the issue was in the second half last week against Calgary. But at the end of the day, they didn't get the job done. They didn't finish the ball game, and they didn't do the same against Saskatchewan. You know, they were down by two or three points you know, late in the fourth quarter. Sask rips off a couple of quick TDs, and it's game over. So I think the big takeaway is they've been in both games. They could have won both games, but the fact of the matter is they didn't close out either game, and I think that is a little concerning. They still have the faith. They still think they can get the job done. We'll see uh, how they do uh, against the Bombers this week.
0: Yeah, I think could have won game one, but absolutely should have won game two. Whenever you have a, a twenty-four point lead at home, you just you gotta win that game, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're up twenty-four-nothing with a couple minutes left in the second quarter. It's twenty-four-three at the half. They have the wind at their back in the third quarter with an opportunity to pile on more points. They get a big fat donut in that third quarter and end up losing a heartbreaker in overtime against a team that they haven't beaten a lot of times in the past. And that is Calgary. I know a lot of teams can probably say that too. They haven't beaten Calgary in the past, but uh, they they should have won that game and they found a way remarkably to lose against the Stampeders. And they didn't look good at all in the second quarter, both on offense and defense. So they got to figure things out in a hurry here with the Bombers coming up.
0: How would you describe the play of Dane Evans through two contests? 54 of 79, four touchdowns, four picks, and 647 yards.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, he he was underwhelming in the season opener in, in Regina, I thought. You know, too many turnovers, and he admitted that to himself. Um, didn't find his receivers early enough, and often. They were brutal on second down conversion. I think they were 5 of 22 for the game. And really didn't have any sort of rhythm, even when they did get going. You know, he had really the one spectacular touchdown to Steve Dunbar Jr., and that was pretty much it. There wasn't much consistency offensively to that game. The O-line didn't help much, but still, they didn't run the ball well they didn't throw the ball well Uh, you know Dane was below average against the Riders Um, he was I thought exceptional in the first half against the Stampeders really willing the ball down the field was finding receivers both open and those in coverage who you know made a play for him the O-line played a much better game against Calgary In, in the second half though things did not work another costly turnover with the you know, the the fumble or I guess the strip fumble, if you will, that Titus Wall made to tie the game at 27. So I would give him just a slightly passing grade at this point, but just barely. He's got to protect the football a lot better and he's got to be more consistent. And that, that would go for the whole team as well.
0: Well, because now after years of the Mazzoli Evans tandem, you finally have one guy who is the guy. <laughs> there is no fallback this year if Evans is bad. You can't just put toss Mazzoli in there. It has to be him. And so if it doesn't work out with Evans, Hamilton's got big problems, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Matt Schiltz has, you know, he's a veteran quarterback in this league, but he's not your explosive and or consistent quarterback who you're going to be able to grind out, you know, a win with week after week. He might buy you a couple wins here and there. But, you know, if if Dane goes down with any, you know, serious injury or he's just not effective game in and game out, you're not gonna get that much out of a guy like Matt Schultz, who can come in on a play or a few series here and there, whether it's mop-up duty or, you know, in an in an injury replacement situation. Yeah, Dane is the guy. And if if anything happens health-wise or performance-wise, um, they're in the lurch because there isn't that guy, you know, hovering over his shoulder to to take over the reins and then go on a long run. So yeah, they're they're all in on Dane Evans, that's for sure.
0: What what about the defense of the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Because through the first two games, and it's a limited sample size, they gave up ten points in the first three quarters against Calgary, and only twelve in the first three quarters against Saskatchewan, but then eighteen in the fourth in Regina, twenty in the fourth against Calgary. What's the explanation for everything just kind of falling apart late in the game first two games here?
2: Yeah, it's a weird one because, you know, I still look at the personnel, just looking at, you know, the the faces and the names on this D, and it's a really good bunch, you know, from, from the secondary and the linebacking core and a couple of pieces up front, Dylan Wynn. Micah Johnson, and even Teddy Laurent, the old veteran there, they're, they're, the big problem with the defense is there's no pressure. There's no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they can't get to the quarterback, whether it was Cody Fajardo a couple of weeks ago or Bo Levi Mitchell last week. Both of their uniforms were extremely clean. And for any defense to be successful uh, on a- any side of the border or worldwide is you got to get pressure on the quarterback, and they've not been able to do that. So, that is, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come back to haunt you because the QB can sit back there and pick you apart, whether you're a man or in zone, they got to get a lot more heat on the QB. They had one sack last week, and that was safety Tunde Adelike, and they had zero sacks against Fajardo. They were out eight to nothing in that game against the Riders. So no pressure has really exposed um, some weak spots on this Ticats defense. I think if they get some pressure, the, the teeth of this D will kind of be sharpened again. 'Cause they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball.
0: How much conversation has there been in Hamilton in the lead up about the fact that they're going up against the team that beat them in the last two Great Cups?
1: There's
2: a little bit, but I'll I'll be honest, it's it's uh it's media generated. And I say that, you know, being a member of the media and asking these questions is they are really not thinking about it at all. You know, they they know that they've lost the last two Grey Cups and they know that both times it's been against Winnipeg, but as Coach Orlando Steinauer said uh, earlier today, that um, listen, it's just another game on the schedule. It's not, it's not the championship game. It's not a playoff game. It's a game that they have seen like any others in the past and going forward that they have to prepare for and be at their best. Uh, but there's no, you know, redemption or hey, we got to get them back or you know, this is our kind of mini Grey Cup. There's really zero talk of that at all. And I think that's the mindset you gotta have. You know, it's there, there's 18 games on the schedule. You're gonna face some really exceptional teams you're going to face some rebuilding teams you're going to face some teams that are in the middle of the road that you know could be a make or break game uh you know on the schedule you just gotta play who's next on the schedule. and that just happens to be the blue Bombers.
0: if you're the tie cats and you're you're off to this slow start to the season are you at least taking comfort in the fact that the entire east is not doing well so far <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, Coach O likes to just talk about his team. It doesn't really reflect on how others are doing, but I'll do it for him and, and for the franchise. That I think that's a little bit of a blessing in disguise. You know, Toronto with the bye week in week one, they won their only game against Montreal by a point. They they didn't look exceptionally well. Uh, you know, Ottawa's played Winnipeg twice, and while they have played them hard, they're still 0-2 as well. And, of course, the Owls are winless as well, and they're already changing quarterbacks, mind you. It's because, you know, um, Vernon Adams Jr. does have COVID, but that might have been a change that they made anyways to Trevor Harris. I think if you're the Thai Cats and their fan base, um, you know, 0-2 is not where you want to be, certainly. But they were also 0-2 last year, and they made it all the way to the Grey Cup in a truncated season. So I think the, the panic button isn't even in arm's length. We know it's there. We can reach for it when we want, but it's not being thought about right now.
0: Do you like the CFL scheduling all these East versus West games in the first six or seven weeks of the season?
2: Uh, you know, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you got to play everybody, obviously. The the one thing, at least for the Tiger Cats schedule that I'm not a big fan of this year, is that they play the Argonauts four times and they play the Argonauts four times in a span of five weeks mm. ending on Labor Day. It's a really weird season. I, I really like it when you play against your divisional opponents going down the stretch. So post Labor Day. So yeah, sprinkle in some interdivision play early on in the season, you know, get that cross-division rivalry uh, action going, but at, at the end of the day, th- those those division versus division games, especially down the stretch, I think get the fan bases excited. Uh, in Hamilton, we're not going to see a lot of that, uh, unfortunately. It's going to be a lot of summer interdivision play.
0: Well, Rick, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and enjoy the game on Friday. You got it. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again.
1: And thanks for all of this
2: So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you all of You may not share our intellect Which might explain this.